Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm not going to take too long this morning. I just want to bring a quick word and then I want to take myself out of the way. I believe that the Spirit of God wants to speak to you personally this morning. And I really feel that God has put on my heart that at the end of this word, we're going to have a time of ministry and open up the front to those of you who want to get into his presence and to press in to what God is calling you to do. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are going to read the whole chapter. Well, as as far as uh, verse 26, I just want to point out that the the letter itself is addressed to the the Corinthian church and what Paul is writing about and, and talking to them about doesn't necessarily apply specifically to us, or at least I hope it doesn't. But the points that he raises are what I kind of want to lean on for the message this morning. Now, dear brother, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, so that it may sound slightly different to what you've got on there, because that's the NIV, but I'll be reading from the NLT version this morning. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshipping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts But the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. The spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. 
Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those that we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. That makes for harmony and among, uh, harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. Amen? Amen. Amen. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. And at this particular time in this letter, he was addressing some serious problems that the church was having at that time where they were, uh, they were kind of having some cultural issues, some social issues in, in the area that they were, that the church was based in. And it was having an impact and an influence on the way that they viewed the gifts that God had put in that church, that every individual was blessed with and given. And it was the, the fact that he had to write to them that he was drawing their attention to certain aspects about the gifts, where they come from, what they're for, how they serve the church, and how they're there to help and edify and build up one another. The church in Corinth was a direct result of the missional work that was carried out by the early missionaries. Paul and some of his companions, you got in the book of Acts, when you look at the book of Acts, You've got the likes of Barnabas and Silas, you've got Timothy, you've got Paul, you've got Peter. And all of them were carrying the good news of the salvation of Jesus Christ. They were carrying this gospel message to all of the eastern region of the Mediterranean. You've got Israel, you've got Judah, you've got Palestine, you've got all across there, all the way uh, around the northern parts of the Mediterranean, up into Asia Minor. You've then got all the northern parts of Africa. You know, all the, the apostles and the disciples of Jesus were carrying this message. And this church was a direct result all the way over in, in Corinth of the missional works of Paul. And when I look around at us, just take a look around the room and you will see that there are many cultures, many backgrounds, many countries represented here in this room this morning. And for those of you listening online, probably even wider areas beyond the boundaries of the UK. As we look around, we are the indirect result of the early missionaries' work. Amen? 
You have heard the gospel message because of the efforts, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the prayers of those early missionaries. It's no accident that you find yourself here this morning to reflect on the relevance of that to your life. Amen? The question that I was considering, and I had lots of questions around this, but the main key question that I drew from what I was reading was, am I really someone who can have an influence on this generation? As Christians, if we're not careful, we're going to fall into that trap of being so inwardly looking, not just when we're in church, but even when we're at home, that we will forget that every single person that we come into contact with is an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I myself am even guilty, and I can hold my hand up and confess this, that I am guilty of squandering opportunities where I know the Holy Spirit has pressed me to speak to an individual, but I've been so overcome by fear of what I'm about to say that I shut my mouth. And for some of you, I know that's probably hard to believe. The first point I want to bring this morning is from chapter 12, verse 2. In the, in the scripture, it says, uh, where is it? Chapter 2. It says, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshipping speechless idols. Before we came to the knowledge of Christ, we had a certain mindset. We had a certain view on life. We had a certain view on where we were going, where we came from. And what Paul is addressing in this church is the fact that even though they knew Jesus Christ, they were going back to their old way of thinking, their old way of perceiving things. And maybe that's something that you yourself struggle with. Maybe there are times in your life where you find yourself Even though you know Jesus Christ and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you still find yourself trapped in that kind of way of thinking. The old way of thinking. That there is a tension arising between who you were and who you are now in Christ. Amen? There's a struggle going on inside you and a conflict going on inside you because you are aware of the things of God. You are aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You are aware of what God is pressing you to do. You are aware of the standards that God is expecting for you to live up to. And yet there is a conflict within you as to how and when and where you should Apply those things. You go back to your old way of thinking. When we think about the disciples, when Jesus was crucified, 
when Jesus was crucified, the disciples, they fled. Everything that they had been listening to when they were walking with Jesus, all the promises and all the explanations, all the things that he said that he was going to do and to carry out, what he was going to bring Some of it was their misunderstanding. Some of it was because their their minds hadn't been opened up to what the scriptures really meant. Some of it was because of their own ignorance. But when Jesus was crucified, they panicked. They fled. They hid away. They were concerned and worried for their lives. Some even went back to working. If we look in uh, the book of John, chapter 21 and verse 3, you'll see there that Simon Peter is saying that I'm going fishing. That's what he knew. That was his old way of life. Did Jesus not say to Peter that I will make you fishers of men? And having said this to him, and Jesus being crucified and dying and all hope was lost, Peter goes back to what he knew. He goes back to his old way of thinking, his old way of living. We too can at times forget our identity in Christ. Jesus, when he died on the cross and he paid the price and he bought you with his own blood, he he paid for you with his own blood. He redeemed you back to the Father through his own blood. And you find yourself today the product of Jesus' ministry. You find yourself bought and paid for, redeemed, set free. The shackles have been let off you. And yet somehow... In our minds, we think, I'm going to put those back on because that's what I knew and that's how I'm comfortable living. And Jesus did not pay the price for us to start locking ourselves up and putting the shackles back on. Amen? When Jesus died and paid the price, the Bible says it was once and for all. Once. And for all. So you don't have to keep revisiting the same mistakes, the same pain points, the same sins, the same errors. Because those shackles have been loosed on you by the blood of Jesus. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 1 to 6. Bible says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. 
All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Here's the crunch point. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. We are united with Christ. Amen. You find yourself this morning sitting in heavenly places. Because of what Jesus did. Now, I don't know about you, but that is worth shouting about. Amen? That is worth rejoicing about. We don't have to come to church and feel, uh, feel condemned in any way. The Bible said there is no condemnation. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The shackles have been loosed. Walk like it. Walk in your identity. Walk as a child of God. Amen? Embrace it. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible there in the scripture reflects and it says that we are made new. We are made new. Do you feel new this morning? Or do you feel a little bit clapped out, a little bit old and a little bit worn down? Do you feel a little bit under the weather this morning? Maybe you need a... Need to get in his presence a bit more. Amen. Maybe you need to speak to the Lord directly this morning. Maybe you need to say to him, I keep putting my shackles on, Father. Help me to keep them off. Help me to cleanse my mind and be transformed and be renewed. Sometimes we read these things in scripture and we we pass over them. Without actually really letting them get into us. We have been set free. Amen. Amen. The second point I want to bring this morning is that the Holy Spirit is the one spirit behind and in all things. If you came this morning thinking that worship or service or or serving God in some capacity is about you, you got it wrong. It is not about you. When we come to Jesus Christ and when we serve Jesus Christ, we are serving him because of who he is and what he has done. Amen? It is not about you. And if you read through the letters that the apostles and the disciples were writing to many of the churches, a lot of the time they were having to address such issues where people were putting themselves in place of of the adoration and the glory that was due to God. They were seeking some kind of applause and some kind of praise for what they were doing. But actually what they should have been doing was recognizing that this all comes from the same spirit And it's all for Jesus Christ. Amen. In chapter 12, if we go back to the Corinthians. Chapter 
chapter 12, verse 4. It says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. Paul was explaining to the church that the gifts that each person is blessed with, everything that God puts in you, may be different. My brother, you've got different gifts to you. My sister, you've got different gifts than the sister over here. The Spirit of the, of the Lord will put in you different gifts, different talents, different spiritual gifts. But those spiritual gifts all have equal significance for the work and the glory of God. Amen? So when we go back to the Corinthians letter and we see what Paul is saying and what he's addressing, he's telling them, don't think that your gift elevates you above someone else. Don't think that just because you, you've, uh, God has worked through you and healed someone, that you are of any more significance or importance than someone who serves coffee. Amen? If we are not careful in ourselves, we become so excited by the fact that God is using us and working through us that we become distracted and we take our eyes off the spirit that is behind it. When we look at Peter in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 2 to 4, let's go there. Book of Acts. When you found it, say amen. Some of you are quicker than me. Chapter 2, verse 2. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. It's the power of the Spirit that drives us as Christians. Amen? When we look at the, uh, the, the early parts of the scripture where Peter and Paul and they... Before they knew Christ, before they were really called into ministry, if you look at their characteristics, they had some real flaws, didn't they? They had some real issues. If you think that sitting here this morning, you've got some emotional issues or some, some problems with people, or you take a look at some of the things that they got up to. I don't think any of you, or at least I hope none of you, are trying to chop someone's ear off with a sword, amen? No? Peter had some real issues with impulsive speaking, some real impulsive behavior because he misunderstood, because he was too quick. And yet, this is the same guy that the spirit falls on and makes bold enough to stand up and speak to thousands of Jews. Hang on a second, hang on a second. Isn't this the guy 
who Jesus says, you are going to deny me three times. And he denied, he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I love you so much. I am not going to do that. I promise. I'm paraphrasing here. It's not in scripture. It doesn't say I promise. It's the same guy. And sure enough, when Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's led away. Peter is then confronted several times. And in being confronted, he starts to panic. I'm not, I, I don't know him. I don't know him. I have nothing to do with Jesus. And he denies Jesus three times. In so doing, what does he do? He becomes shame-filled. And guilty. And he flees. He runs away ashamed. The fact that he's just denied his brother. He's just denied knowing and having anything to do with Jesus. But this is the same person. That when the spirit of God fell on him. All of a sudden, he received some kind of boldness and, and just the ability to shout and praise God and glorify God and share the good news of Jesus Christ to all of these Jews. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel that God is pushing you to say something or do something and, and you're kind of resisting, holding back, thinking, no, 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 I can't talk to these people. I can't talk. And that's just one person. You're sitting next to someone at work and you're typing on your keyboard and you're sort of looking across to, I might say something to them at break time by the cooler. I'll wait and see what the Lord does. And then you get to the cooler or the vending machine and you're standing there and you're thinking, I'll, I'll wait till it's lunchtime. I believe that the Lord will move me and prompt me at that point. When the Spirit of God prompts you to do something, some kind of boldness should rise up inside of you and you should speak what God has put in you to speak. Amen? In the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 3 and 4, we see there about the the miraculous conversion of Saul, who we know as Apostle Paul. But Saul was his, was his name before he became Apostle Paul. Do you know that in the first part of the book of Acts, it's kind of documented that Saul was killing Christians. Did you know that? Some of you probably know that. He was killing Christians. He was there at the stoning of Stephen. And he was watching and witnessing what was happening. And he was in agreement with the killing of Stephen. The guy was so tenacious and intense for the law of God. That he was willing to to go to the lengths of killing Christians. Killing people who opposed the teachings of Judaism. He was so hate-filled for Christians. And yet we read in the book of Acts chapter 9 that all of a sudden he's going off 
to, to go and find more Christians to kill because he obviously hasn't had his quota yet, that all of a sudden the power of God, the power just falls on him by the Spirit of God. And this light just falls on him. And all of a sudden he's knocked off his horse and he's gazing up and he's thinking, wow, where did that come from? Who are you? What's this? Have you ever had encounters in your life where you think you are doing something right and all of a sudden the Spirit of God prompts you and reminds you you're doing it wrong? My son, my daughter, stop doing that. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit behind everything we do as Christians. And when we realize that it's not just about doing works, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit to get in you and work through you and change your mindset and encourage you to get into the word and to feed yourself on the word. And when the Spirit encourages those things, you are transformed. You are renewed. You don't desire to put the shackles on. You no longer walk in fear or anxiety or worry. Because you know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? There is a greater spirit at work in you. Peter and John, just another example. I could go on for days, but I'll just, I'll I'll leave this one here. Peter and John were presented before the council in the book of Acts. Chapter 4, verse 8, they're presented before the council. They've just been sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. They've just healed someone. And the, the, uh, the counselors, the Pharisees, the, the Sadducees that around that time in that area were so challenged by what they saw, they had them arrested and brought before them the next morning. And they questioned them, by what name do you do this? And the Bible says that again, feeling boldness rise up in them, they respond and they respond with authority and with power. Where does that come from? This is the same people that fled and hid away in fear of their lives because Jesus was no longer around. He was crucified. He was buried. He was in the tomb for three days. These are the same guys the Spirit of God fell on and used in powerful, mighty ways. The third point I want to bring this morning is that everyone has something to contribute. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got something to contribute. Turn to your other neighbor And say, so do you. (laughs) Back in our letter in the first Corinthians. Chapter 12. Verse 18. To 19. Chapter 12. Verse 18. To 19. But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Amen. 
You've got something to bring to the kingdom of God. Amen. You are a servant of God. You are a mouthpiece. You are a toe. You're a toenail. You're a hair follicle. You're a a bicep muscle. You're the feet that carry the good news. You're the shoulders and the head. Each and every single member of this church, each and every single person sitting here and listening online this morning, each and every one of you is a member of Christ's church. You are part of the bride of Christ. You have something that you can contribute. God has put in you spiritual gifts. He has put in you an understanding of someone, an empathy for certain people. He has put in you a desire to see something in society change for the glory of God. He has put in you a desire to see politics change For the glory of God. He has put in you a desire to see businesses do what is right for the glory of God. He's put in you a desire to be a superb mathematician. So you can demonstrate to people it's not all about intelligence. But it's actually about surrendering to the spirit of God. Amen. Each and every single one of us. No matter how small, how big, how young, how old, how just employed, how retired or semi-retired, we may find ourselves. You have something to bring. You are of value and worth in the kingdom of God. It is not dependent on your salary. It is dependent on your heart. In his letter, Paul explained that everyone has a gift. The question I'm thinking here is, what have you got? Do you know what God has put in you? Do you know where God is calling you to be, to serve, to work for him? Now, don't get me wrong. When we talk of ministry and serving God... Often people panic and think, that means I've got to give up my job. That means I've got to learn how to be a pastor. That means I've got to learn how to be a preacher. Well, we're all preachers in some capacity or another. But the real... If we, well, if we take, for example, the, the disciples. These disciples, they had ordinary jobs. Paul was a tent maker. The others were fishermen. Some were laborers. So when we look at sharing the gospel message, yes, it's going to take an investment of time. Yes, it's going to take some effort. Yes, it means you're going to have to probably feel a bit uncomfortable for a while. But it doesn't mean you have to immediately stop what you're doing, give up your job and be foolish. Act with some wisdom. If you've got bills to pay, God is not 
silly. He is fully aware of your needs. But he's also looking for some wisdom in the way that you respond. You can start small. You can start small in your serving. You could, at the end of the service, and we'll see how many rushes of people will get doing this, but you could offer to help. I'll, I'll take the bin bags out. I'll sweep. I'll tidy. I'll hoover. I'll join the cleaning team. I'll join the stewards team. I'll join the welcome team. I like to welcome people in. I've got a desire to see teaching happen with the young ones. I'll get involved with the teaching. Every single person has something that they can bring within, within the bounds of this church immediately. To get involved. To become a part of the member of the family of God. Everyone has something that they can bring. When you look at Antioch, the church in Antioch, do you know, oh, was it Antioch? It may have been uh, one of the other churches. I think it was Antioch. But they, they, they were having a particular issue with looking after, the, I think, of the Greeks and the Jews, the wives, uh, not the wives, the, the widows. And out of that need, that situation, people were appointed to look after them. So it came from within the church. And from it coming within the church, they were recognized for their gifts and their talents and their abilities. Because they were recognized because they were operating in the same spirit. And they were operating with the same heart. And they were operating with the same desire. Amen? All too often, and it pains me to see this, is when... When I hear some people say, and I've heard it said a few times, oh, I, I, I just I don't get on with my pastor, or I, I don't get on with some of the brothers. God has called me to serve elsewhere. And yes, that may be true for some. But oftentimes we use that as an excuse for our own selfish ambition. Amen? We, we desire not to serve God in the capacity that is biblical, but actually we are pursuing uh, doing the things for God so that we can be praised and we can be glorified for, look how amazing you are. Look how intellectual you seem. Look how amazing God is using you and powerfully he's using you. The healings, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, working through that individual and that individual's ministry. Yes, God can powerfully launch you into something, but we need to start from working within the church. This is your immediate family, your immediate home, spiritual home. Amen? We read about Saul and we think he's, sorry, Paul. I'm reading his, his old name now. Um, but we read about Paul and the amazing things that he did in the book of Acts. And what we don't realize sometimes is that it all started when he was going to Cyprus. In the book of Acts, it says that they were all praying together as a church. And as they were praying, the Holy Spirit prompted them and said, 
Barnabas and, and, and Saul. Send them. And the church responded. We feel that we should send Barnabas and Saul. And they were launched on their mission. Amen? So it came from within the church. And this is, this is Paul, who we read about in the rest of Acts, who was an absolute renegade. He was taking, he was taking the gospel message to the Gentiles and sometimes to the Jews. And he was taking it in places where it had never gone before. He was ruffling a few feathers. He was getting under people's skin. He goes around in, in Athens and he's looking around at the way that people are living and all these statues and idols. And he goes to the philosophers and he's directly challenging them and debating them and arguing with them. And he's, he's presenting a case for Christ. Amen. But where did it all start from? Started from Antioch. Started from some prayer and the Holy Spirit saying, send them. That's where it started from. So we need to be mindful of our gifts and our abilities. We need to ask God, what do you want me to do? What do I have? If you don't know what gifts and talents you have that you can present for the kingdom of God, then you need to go to him and you need to ask him, what do you want me to do? What do I have that I can bring? Amen? Amen. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we don't let these gifts and these talents divide us, but actually work in unity. Amen? In the book of, uh, was it John, the gospel? John chapter 17. Let's just quickly go there. Book of John chapter 17. And we're going to pick it up from uh, verse 22. To 23. And this is Jesus here praying to his Father in heaven for his disciples. And he's, he's pleading, he's agonizing, and he's saying, I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That's his cry for his church in this generation. That we would remain united of one spirit, of one accord. And that people will know the Father Because they had seen the evidence of Jesus Christ in his church. That when we confess and tell people the good news of Jesus, we're not then caught acting in sin. Undoing and unraveling all of the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Do I get an amen to that? Working in unity means that we need to collaborate. It means that we need to work together. 
Often when we look at the book of Acts, we think of some of these guys as going solo. You know, when you read the book of Acts, it's almost it's almost divided into two books, Peter and Paul. Peter's ministry, Paul's ministry. But actually, when you read further, you'll see that the the chronology of the book actually talks of Jerusalem, Samaria and some of the outer regions of that area moving further and further away. It is a forward moving projection of the gospel message going further and further and further and further and further away. Reaching different places. But we also notice that there were other people involved. You've got Peter, you've got Paul, you've got Silas, you've got Barnabas, you've got Timothy. You had Stephen, but bless him, he was stoned. In a, not in the way that some people might think. He, he was actually killed. I just thought I'd add that in as a caveat. (laughs) We need to recognize that we can't just work solo. God can use you and he can use you mightily and powerfully. And when the Holy Spirit is in what you're doing, you, you can be exalted and lifted up. But it will be at his glory. It will be in his time. It will be when he says... It shall happen. And oftentimes, a word will be spoken over us and we'll become so excited. Oh, the prophet said that I'm going to be an amazing healer. Well, first you need to be able to sort some problems out in your own family setting. Or you need to sort some problems out with stubbornness. Or you need to sort some issues out with obedience before God can use you in that way. Don't get me wrong, the gifts of the Spirit are without repentance. And when God deposits something in you, it's there. And it's there permanently. And you can operate in it. But do you know that you can operate in your gift and you can still be so far from God that actually you yourself may be lost whilst you're actually saving others? Amen? So you need to be mindful of how you're, how you're living as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Because when you stand before people and say, we need to be holy for he is holy. Repent and be saved. And then you go off and do something completely contrary to what the Bible says. What does that say about the gospel message? What does that say about the power and the authority of Christ? It only works for some. I'm exempt. Hmm? If we're going to be a church, and if we are going to worship him and love him and serve him with all that we've got, we need to be a church that's on fire and hungry for God. Amen? We need to take these little flickering flames and we we need to allow God to turn them into a barrage of flames. We need to take these little warm hearts of ours and we need to turn them into fiery furnaces for God. Amen. 
Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.